Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus i'm victoria cash thanks for calling the lucky land hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day press one if you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes press two We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're coming to you just hours after Purdue's most recent victory, 58-55 over Maryland, pushes Purdue to 19-1 and 8-1 in the Big Ten. And, uh, oh boy, was this an interesting second half. But uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the rankings as they expected. Uh, possibly Purdue number one come Monday. Um, but before we do that, I know I normally ask a question at the top. I did not have one, but Ryan, you told me right before we started recording that you had something for me. I have no idea what it is, so hit me with it. All right. So obviously in our line of work, we get to go to a lot of different places and see a lot of different teams. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite or top three venues? Outside of Mackey. Outside of Mackey, yeah. No, that's number one. So I'll do – I don't really – have them in a particular order but i can only base them off of like experience at the arena because to me like so many of these places i've gone to as a fan and even you know before my time covering stuff for hammer and rails so i'm basing it more off my experience rather than the arena itself um so i will say uh number three i will go uh Wherever Alabama plays basketball, I don't even know the name of their arena. Um, that was a really fun game, a really fun experience. Really long road trip on a bus with the paint crew. Um, and it was actually the day that uh, their guy won the Heisman, and they announced it at halftime. And oh, Purdue wow. was like, 
just playing like absolute dog crap in that that game for most of it until like late in the second half they started to come back and you know it's an Alabama basketball game so the arena wasn't exactly filled and then they've got these plastic like seat backs uh up where we were and so we were just like trying to make as much noise as possible so we all started just like banging on the seat backs to make (laughs) so much more noise uh and Purdue eventually came away with the win so that was a lot of fun um as much as I hate to say it um I will say assembly hall um it's I've only been there once, and it was a Purdue victory. Uh, so that is really what makes it a good experience for me. Um, we were like two or three rows from the top at that place. I mean, it's like a death trap um, uh, when mm-hmm. you get up to those top rows. And, in fact, we saw a girl fall, like, trying to get to her seat. And she fell down, like, four rows uh, until she kind of, like, bumped up against somebody and finally stopped. So uh, that place is like a nightmare uh, terrible mm-hmm. sight lines, really not a great place to watch a game if you're in the upper deck. But uh, like I said, I'm basing this off experience. And so for me, seeing a Purdue game in Assembly Hall and seeing Purdue win uh, is unforgettable. And then, oh gosh, another, I'm trying to think of number one, what num- uh, <laughs> number one would be. Um, oh, do you have three of them in mind for yourself? I do. Okay, you um, go. you go and I will try sure. to think of my last one. Okay, so number three is a little bit kind of cheating, but it is Bankersfield or whatever Gangridge, it's called. Gangridge, like, Gain- I think yeah. it's like Gangridge. I don't even know. They've it's changed yeah, names like nine times. Yeah, Bankers, Gamebridge, whatever. Where Conseco, Conseco is what mm. it originally was. Yeah, so that field house. I mean, anytime you're there for the Big Ten championship, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that one, I I put it a little bit over the United Center. Um, just because Indy hosts events better than Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah, overall atmosphere is just better to me. Then I would probably say I would put the Coles Center at number two. Okay, I've never been to a game there. It's It feels like an NBA atmosphere. It feels like a large, you know, um, arena, and it's nice. We were at the very top. We had great sight lines, and... Um, this was a couple of years ago. We just took a road trip up north, and it was a Purdue victory. So, again, experience-wise, it was good. And then number one, I'd actually put Value City Arena. Okay. Just the atmosphere seemed better to me, and just the um, kind of extended past the arena outside the neighborhood seemed better, even though Purdue lost that game. Yeah. Um, it, it was just... I had an enjoyable time at the arena, okay. even with a loss. Yeah, so. I, and I realize what my uh, third one is, and it should have come to me right away because it was so recent. I will go with the Palestra um, because okay. it is such a unique venue, and mm-hmm. I, it was so fascinating because you know there were at least um, three people who I went to college with uh, who I talked to while I was there who – you know, I hadn't seen one of them in in a number of years, and the last time I saw the other two was in Philadelphia, oddly enough, mm-hmm. um, when we played St. Peter's. So uh, it was good to see them, even though you know it, was, it gave me a little Purdue PTSD. But um, and then a, apparently at least one other um, person I went to college with was there, but I didn't find that out till after. So um, you know, it's a lot of fun uh, to go to these like a unique venue like the Palestra with so much history. 
And mm-hmm. again, it's another one of those a, a great experience because Purdue was the away team and they won, uh, so that always right. adds extra to it. And um, afterwards, went out and grabbed a drink with those two friends and uh, had some Philly cheesesteak um, egg rolls at this bar, and okay. they were delicious. So I'm mm-hmm. adding that to my experience. Okay, fair enough. So very so good. No KFC Yum Center. No, I, I was not at yeah. that one. I was not at okay. that one. That would have been a nightmare. I, I, I unfortunately. Well, let's move on. We don't we don't need to dwell on that. So there you go. Thank you, Ryan, for bringing that question. That's a good one. Um, I don't think we've mm-hmm. ever talked about that, so that's good. So Purdue fifty eight, Maryland fifty five. Uh, everything looked great in the first half. Purdue went up mm-hmm. uh, very quickly. Uh, you know, seven to two at one point, and it, it built from there. But Purdue at halftime thirty five to twenty one. The defense looked great uh, in the first half. Mm-hmm. The offense kind of fell off with about five or six minutes left in the first half. Um, and it was mainly, I think, due to the Maryland defense and the press. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think it was about this Maryland defense that really put or gave Purdue so many problems? Yeah, so the issue that Purdue seemed to be having was Maryland would do a uh, they do their press, but they do it in a way where they would switch out of their press once Purdue got up. And then they would switch to a man-on-man um, defense, and you think you're still in a press, and Purdue's guards were just having a rough time getting the ball moving. At the end of the day, I mean, they had 15 turnovers yeah. in this game, so it was a rough time passing the ball and just – there was they were cutting lanes off. They were just getting their hand on the ball and tipping everything, and a lot led to a lot of fast breaks. Not always a scoring fast break, luckily, but fast break nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they only had nine fast break points, but it sure mm-hmm. looked like they got a lot of fast break opportunities. As you said, they didn't convert them all, but man, it just felt like every time you turn around in that second half, especially the last you know six seven minutes. Purdue was just turning the ball over on a really bad pass, and Maryland found themselves rushing down the court. Um, Purdue pretty lucky that Maryland did so poorly, um, you know, on on offense. They missed a lot of good looks, um, including from three. Mm-hmm. But that was a that was a common theme for both teams in this game. But yeah, I mean, the wheels just fell off very quickly in that second half. Um, you know, as I said, mm-hmm. Purdue went into halftime up fourteen. And then within two minutes, that lead was cut in half, and Purdue was only up seven. And it would really stay between five and seven for the next uh, eight, nine, even ten, you know, beyond that minutes uh, of the second half. It was never really a comfortable game from that point forward. Yeah, and just both teams just could not put the ball in the basket. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Which, I by the way, correct last... me if I'm wrong, uh, putting the mm-hmm. ball in the basket, very important. I, I, I would think so. Most days. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I believe the last four-minute stretch, each team only scored two points. Yeah, the the last field goal in the game uh, was made with three minutes and 47 seconds to go. Um, And then from then on, they missed their last 15 field goals between them. Yeah, not great. Not great. But I... I, you put some credit on Purdue's defense just because for as bad as they played on offense, they played well on defense, and they forced some tough shots, and they they seem to have better motors. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
They Ethan Morton had a very good game on defense again. He was just flying with the ball carrier, and everybody was switching well. There was a stretch in the first half where it was just beautifully orchestrated on defense, and I think it led to a Maryland turnover or a shot clock violation. It was just everyone switching, everyone's getting to the ball, and um, there was no room. Um, Yeah. You got to give it to Purdue for that. It's just luckily they got over the – absolute atrocious offense yeah. in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And one more thing on Ethan Morton. This is again, just one of those things that you notice. He mm-hmm. clearly was like really into it on the defensive end. You can see it. The big 10 network actually tweeted out the video, um, which it was four minutes and 56 seconds left. Uh, Ethan Morton kind of tips away a pass and uh, throws it off the Maryland guy. And then um, you see him like they, the camera gets right to him on a reaction and he's just, like, mean-mugging directly in the guy's face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty mm-hmm. perfect. Of course, I think the call might have been wrong uh, because the yep. it looked like Morton stepped out with the ball. Uh, so I don't know what the ref saw, but uh, they gave it to Purdue, and, and Morton certainly reacted. But you could tell he was really into this game. Um, I think he knew he hadn't had his best games of late, so he was very into, mm-hmm. you know, putting a good one together. And he certainly did that on the defensive end today. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think you can say anyone had a good game for either team. Yeah. Um, Zach Eady got his normal, you know, 24 and 16, two blocks, but he had five turnovers. Yeah, and they were big turnovers, too. Mm hmm. Bad they were times. Some rough, rough stretches. Yep. So, um, Braden Smith, all eight of his points came from the free throw line. Braden Smith looked gassed today. I yeah. don't know if he's sick or what, but he was at a free throw. Right after a he cha- uh, right after a turnover, he chased down the Maryland player who got a layup still, and he came back, got fouled, and he just looked like he was panting at the line. I don't know if it's you know three games in a week, and you know he's still a freshman. He's got the really, like, you're not used to this kind of conditioning, right? Or is it okay? Are you dealing with some sort of uh, illness? So it's. We don't know. Matt Panner didn't confirm or deny anything, so we just kind of have to speculate. But credit to Braden Smith. He made all eight of his free throws. Yeah. And, I and, mean, that, and they were clutch free throws. Yes. Yeah, they were they were huge. And, of course, none more so than those last two with Purdue mm-hmm. up just one um, and just a few seconds left on the clock. He got fouled, went to the line, made both of them, put Purdue up with, I, I think it was at around five seconds to go at that yeah, point. Like just, whew, I mean, mm-hmm. a freshman to go in that situation and sink them, no doubters. I mean, that that was incredible. Yeah. Yep. And all this is to say, I mean, Maryland was close. They still got a shot at the very end of this game. And you just, being a Purdue fan, you get, <laughs> yeah. you get flashbacks on those kind of things. Or you see Caleb first go up and try to yes. you know, affect the shot. And just thinking, oh my God, what are you doing? I was terrified. And, and then you see on a replay, he's actually two feet to the right, and he just completely avoids the player. It's like, okay, yeah. And now the, that I'm the, settled. The Maryland guy still, even then, was kind of like trying to lean into him, trying to get some body contact to draw a foul. But that last sequence uh, was wild because Ethan Morton got his hand on the ball, and you thought that was going to be it. I mean, there was only, like we said, about five seconds left. 
Yeah. Morton gets his hand on it, tips it away, but it goes right to a Maryland player, and then they yeah. get it beyond half court and have to throw it up. Um, ultimately, the shot wasn't very close, but as you said, no. it you we've been in that situation before, and mm-hmm. we've seen the outcome go the other way. But when I saw first like jump in the air, I just wanted to scream. I was like. Just keep your arms up. Don't move. Like, what are you doing? And then the fact that he jumped. But, I mean, like, like you said, you see the replay and you realize it, it wasn't that close. But mm-hmm. it it just gives you pause just for a second for sure. Yeah, and crazier shots went in during this game. Fletcher Lawyer's yeah. only three of the game was just an absolute just nutty shot where he banked it in Yeah. Um, at the end of a shot clock. So stranger things have happened and – I think that would have been their actual play anyway. I think Ethan yeah, probably did the exact play they were going to do because it felt like it was going to be like a hook and ladder type play. <laughs> and uh, just of course, you know, tips it right to him. Um, yeah, but it, it was it was a heck of an ending. But I mean, to your mm-hmm. point about Fletcher Lawyer, so he hit a three uh, at the very beginning of the game, put Purdue up, and then uh, David Jenkins Jr. hit a three. Looking at the play-by-play here with 10 minutes and 52 seconds left in the first half. That put Purdue up 25-9. to uh, Purdue would not make a three-pointer the rest of the game. Uh, they went 0-11 for 11 for the remaining uh, 29 minutes and 8 seconds of basketball. Astounding. Yeah. Both teams shot under, under 20% from the three. Purdue at 15, Maryland at 14. Every Everything about this game just screams uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, in the, it's a, it's amazing. You look at the stats broken down by half, and you're like, it, it's just an incredible tale of two halves. For Purdue, mm-hmm. they shot 50% from the field in the first half. Second half, 26.9%. In the first half, not great from three, but still, two of seven, 28.5%. Mm-hmm. Second half, 0 of 6, 0%. Uh, and then free throws, they were good both halves. They only missed one in each half. So uh, that was really good, but oh boy. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of similar for Maryland, uh, but they improved. You know, in the first half, they shot 32% versus 41 in the second half, and then 18% from three versus then, man, 10% in the second half. <laughs> Um, they improved from the from the free throw line, but you know a couple couple other things that that I really wanted to point out. Purdue's rebounding continues to save them. Uh, they got forty rebounds to Maryland's thirty, and they said on the broadcast today, and I guess I had not realized that Purdue is the top rebounding team in the country. Um, so hmm. you know having a guy like Zach Eady and you know the way we crash the boards has certainly helped us in that category. But uh, that was an interesting stat that I don't think I had seen elsewhere. Yeah, and I think a lot of that also has to do with Caleb first. Yeah, absolutely. He just pulls down rebounds at a great clip now, too. I mean, the guards aren't afraid to rebound either. And then, obviously, when um, the bench comes in, they aren't afraid to go up for rebounds. Sometimes they're a little too eager, like Brandon Newman just hits the ball yeah. out of bounds. Yeah, he, but, he, he's good for one of those a game, but, you know, we love the effort. Yeah, so rebounding is good, and like you said, it helps to have a seven foot four guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Throughout this game, I mean, really, Maryland put their eggs into Julian Reese's basket. He seemed to be the one to take over 
and sort of make them stay afloat until um, until the guards for Maryland could get going, which wasn't until the very end of this game. Yeah, so they, they didn't really ever get going, but... Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, their two main guards finished with 10 and 11, and then Julian Reese finished with 19. Personally, I thought he should have five fouls much earlier in the game, and I think Matt Painter thought so as well. Yeah. Comparing Zach Eady to a pinata. Pinata, yes. So I wanted to read, that was one of the other things I wanted to point out. I have his quote um, right here. Uh, mm-hmm. So he said this in the post game, obviously, and I'm going to read it just verbatim. Quote, he's like a pinata out there. You guys been to a party with a pinata recently? You hit him really hard and the candy comes out. I don't think there's any candy inside Zach. So, end quote. Painter's just funny. Yeah, he is a funny guy. Uh, doesn't get enough credit for that, I think, but he really is. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, this goes to the last point I wanted to make. Uh, these officials were just bad, and they were bad on both ends of the court. Um, as I said, uh, Purdue got away with one when, when Ethan Morton was uh, throwing the ball back in bounds. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he stepped out of bounds with the ball in his hand. Um, yep. And, you know, they, they tried to call a foul on Edie when a Maryland guy ran into his elbow – I mean, literally ran into Zach Eady, mm-hmm. uh, and they tried to call a foul on Eady, and then went to uh, went to the monitor to kind of confirm if it was like a flagrant, and then they reversed the call and called a foul on Maryland. So, like, ultimately they got the right decision, but you shouldn't have to go to the monitor for that. Um, it's just very bad. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, of course, one of the officials, Courtney Green. So uh, <laughs> that should that should tell you enough. I really should have bet the house. Uh, on Maryland against the spread because Purdue mm-hmm. does terribly against the spread anytime Courtney Green uh, is one of the effects. Yeah, and I don't know. There just seemed to be a lot of different contact today on both sides. I, I feel like it's just it's the same old thing with the Big Ten. They don't call the fouls. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know what you know the proper call for a foul is, and. You don't know what's going to take to change it because every single fan of the Big Ten hates the refs. It's you know it's not just one fan base, right? It's every fan base. So like, unless you have top down from the actual teams themselves to say, all right, something needs to change about these refs, it's not going to change. But even the coaches are every single press conference. It seems like the coaches are some way or another saying, nope, we need to do better with the officiating, and nothing changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you said, it seems like every Big Ten coach has had major complaints with the officiating this year, but will anything be done about it? I'm not so sure. Um, Let that be Kevin Warren's last hurrah. Yeah, you fire, fire every official. Fire every official. Be like, you're starting from scratch. Um, mm. But, you know... Uh, there, there definitely needs to be something, something done uh, with these officials. They're just bad uh, for everyone involved. So, uh, you got anything else on this Maryland game? Otherwise, we're going to take a break, come back, and look at the exciting news of the AP Top Twenty-Five. Um, I always find it fun when you have a player with the face mask. Yes, yeah, and so. he, uh, he was wearing that face mask. Yeah, but I'm disappointed he didn't get it in black. Could have been Batman. Yes, those are the, those are way cooler, uh, way cooler. Uh, but mm-hmm. maybe it was one. Maybe it was the only one they had available. You just never know. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back and look at what has gone on in the AP Top Twenty Five this week. A lot. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. So we're looking at the AP Top 25. We know it doesn't really matter as far as, you know, where Purdue winds up in the NCAA tournament. But it gives you a good gauge of, you know, if you're a number one ranked team, you're going to get a good seed in the tournament. So really, it's like a precursor. So for all those people who are going to say in the comments and in the mentions, uh, don't worry about rankings, just go and play the games. Okay, but Ryan and I don't play the games. And these (laughs) things, you know, they might not matter right now, but they can tell you where we're going. So that's why I care about them. Um that's a good thing I don't play the games. <laughs> yeah, me either. Um, you know, I think if you gotta if you gotta throw me out there, something has gone terribly wrong, and Purdue will not <laughs> be winning winning another game. So uh, keep that in mind, Matt Painter. If you ever need an extra guy, uh, look elsewhere than this podcast. Let's uh, you that nil money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Purdue currently ranked third behind Houston and Kansas. Uh, Purdue was still receiving three first place votes and. Uh, they won this week. They beat uh, who they had to play. Ryan, what happened to the two teams in front of Purdue? That would be Houston at 17-1 and in the American Athletic Conference, uh, you know, a powerhouse. And then Kansas, 16-1 and as of, you know, this ranking in the Big mm-hmm. 12. So let's, let's just go up one level at a time. Uh, how has Kansas done this week? Well, Kansas had a hard-fought game against Kansas State at Kansas, and they lost. And that's a respectable loss. I want to be clear. It is. Kansas State is a good team. Mm -hmm. Then they followed that up with another loss, this time at Allen Fieldhouse. But also to a respectable, uh, you know, ranked TCU team, but two losses this week for Kansas. Yeah. But their second loss was by 20. And it was at home. So not not a not a fun week for the Jayhawks. No, and I, and so that means we assume they're going to fall uh probably 3 4 spots. Um but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. The 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 voters can be pretty fickle. So uh what about mm-hmm. Houston? You know, they're playing in the American Athletic. They don't have a lot of uh quad one win opportunities. So surely they rolled had no problems, right? Yeah, I believe they uh beat Tulane earlier this week at well, home. You know, uh, at, at Tulane. I'm sure, I'm sure Tulane obviously uh, just crushing the competition this year. Oh, for sure. And then they decided to play at home earlier today and went toe-to-toe with the 11-8 and eight Temple Owls and dropped that game. Yep, they sure did. They sure did. So, uh, I mean, is that good? Is that bad? What do we think? Temple, by the way, 113th in Ken Palm. Yep, that's a uh, quad three loss for those paying attention to that. Yeah, you don't love that if you're uh, if you're a Houston fan. Uh, and they were 11 and nine, by the way. They were 11 and oh, nine. Okay. So now they're 12 and nine with a really good quad one win. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the better wins in the season. I would I would think so. Um. So 
Purdue currently ranked third. Number one team lost. Number two team lost twice. You would think Mm -hmm. come Monday at, you know, just just afternoon when the AP poll comes out, you would think Purdue will be back at number one, would you? Conventional wisdom would say yes, considering they went 3-0 and this week. However, there are Twitter fans there who you go. say that a certain team from Tuscaloosa should be number one. Yes. Yes. And Alabama, uh, currently uh, number four. There's a lot of people saying they're going to jump Purdue and they're going to go to number one. I am not one of those people. Uh, Purdue received three first-place votes. Alabama received none. Now, granted, they were very close together. Purdue was only 35 points ahead of Alabama. However, mm-hmm. as you said, Purdue uh, was 16-1 and when these rankings came out last week. They are now 19-1. and So that is three games, three victories, and Alabama had two losses. I really don't think, really really don't think that Alabama is going to jump Purdue. I think come Monday, just afternoon, Purdue will be the number one ranked team in the nation once again. Yeah, and I completely agree. I think Alabama will rise to number two. I think it'll be a close one-two. You know, whoever folds first on those two next is going to be number one. Yeah. You know, it, obviously, that's that's the way that the rankings are, have been going. But Here's the problem with the people saying that Alabama should be number one. Oh, I'd love it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, let's let's do a couple comparisons. Okay. Purdue and Alabama have two common opponents. They have both played Michigan State. They have both played Gonzaga. Purdue is two and zero against those teams. That is true. At Michigan State and a semi away game. We're gonna. It's technically neutral court. But they were in Portland, Oregon, yeah, against playing a team Gonzaga, from Spokane, yeah. Washington. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's call that. Let's be generous and call it a neutral court. Purdue won both of those games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alabama played Michigan State on a neutral court, also in Portland. They won. Okay, good job. Then they lost by ten to Gonzaga in Birmingham, Alabama. That might as well be a home game. <laughs> so, common opponents, there you go. I mean, they're produced 2-0 in harder circumstances, and Alabama's 1-1. One one. Okay, if not, let's compare their Quadrant 1 wins. Purdue is 7-1 in Quad 1 win. Alabama is 6-2 in Quad 1 win. <laughs> I mean... It's not hard. I test be damned. Purdue is the best team in the country. I I agree. I agree. Um, It's just you're always going to find people on the Internet. I know this is shocking who are (laughs) going who are going to complain, who are going to be contrarian, who are going to try to be um, give you an edgy take that goes against the conventional wisdom. And that can be fun. And, you know, all of that, so you can you can have a lot of fun with it online, but at the same time, you have to be realistic. You have to look at how these things normally go, and I'm not guaranteeing Purdue will be number one, but I would be very shocked if they are not number one for those very reasons that you mentioned. I mean, you look at the comparison, you look at the head-to-head, quad one wins, and if nothing else, it's inertia. Purdue was number one earlier in the season. Purdue currently ranks above them, has not lost, it's very rare 
to leapfrog someone to be number one if that team did not lose and everyone above them lost. It's not impossible. It's happened uh, in the past, but I don't see it happening this week. Yeah, and moving forward, um, Alabama doesn't have the same type of schedule that Purdue has. Alabama will get to play some real heavy hitters in South Carolina, (laughs) Texas A&M, and Georgia, and LSU. So all of which, or three of those of which are, you know, sub five or sub 100 net rankings given what? you get to play at Tennessee once. Okay. You get a lot of, you know, top 50 teams, but then every single game from here on out for Purdue is a top 50 game, save maybe Northwestern or Wisconsin. So it's, the SEC is not the Big Ten in no, basketball. No. They are and, very top-heavy this year. Yeah, and you know the problem with Georgia basketball, right? They fired Tom well, Crean, yeah. and that's where it all went wrong for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom Crean, that. obviously, there from 2018 to 2022, and once you fire Tom Crean, nowhere to go but down, just ask IU. So yeah. we just, you know, they they have to learn their lesson. Maybe they will one day. So um, final, yeah, po- final point I want to make uh, – Purdue is now um, 19 and one, eight and one in conference. We're nearly halfway through the conference season. We're one game away from halfway, and Purdue still only one loss in conference, and still two full games ahead of the competition in the loss column. Um, mm-hmm. So we're getting closer and closer to that 25th Big Ten championship, and I cannot wait, cannot wait uh, to see them hoist that trophy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks. Thanks very much. Purdue next in action on Thursday when they travel to Ann Arbor uh, to take on Michigan. And that is a Michigan team that I just cannot get a beat on. I have no idea if they're good or if they're bad. I guess we'll find out on Thursday. Time to put up or shut up. Yeah, yeah. So going on the road, (laughs) let's do it again. We've been road warriors all year. So uh, we'll chat with you later on in the week, folks. Boiler up. Hammer down.